0: A Highline Podcast.
1: We live in a complicated and fascinating world that invites us to dive deep into its intricacies.
0: Exploring the ideas and events that excite, intrigue, irritate, and confound us is how we graduate our knowledge beyond meme culture. Join us over a
2: cocktail as we expand our understanding and share in the beauty we find along the way. I'm Stephen Torna.
0: I'm Kat Dwyer.
2: And I'm Stephen Henning. Welcome to the Whiskey Bench.
0: The night starts now, boys. We're back. The boys are back. Kevin, not Kevin. Well, I guess Kevin. So Kat, so many
2: names.
1: Cat is I'm, out tonight. I am Kat now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We cat's on the show, but tonight she's got two personalities. Yeah.
0: Yay. Right. The first time the Whiskey Vence records with four people. So Mr. Torna, you and I are joined by two of the hosts of the Into podcast, also on Ye Old Highline Media Network. Welcome, boys. <laughs> nice
1: plug. Nice plug.
0: Welcome. Hey. Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to the show.
3: Alex, to be here.
0: Alex, you've been here before, so welcome back. You're our third time returning champion.
3: Whoa, the pitch hitter
0: with yeah, pinch with the pinch. pitch hitter, pinch, pinch. Ideally, pinch. ideally, ideally pinch. all
1: of your batters are the pitch hitters.
0: E- Correct. Nice. Hey, see, what is a batter but a pitch hitter? <laughs> <laughs> vocabulary. Yeah, the pinch hitter. Um, when Kat said that she wasn't going to make it this week, I I texted to our regular group chat and said shall i send up the bat signal and see if alex is down to clown and it turns out both alex and kevin
1: yo all right i heard talk. you need some clowns <laughs>
3: yeah. so down to clown. here with makeup on red is... noses applied
0: <laughs> and recording with video again this is also something we don't normally do on the whiskey bench but hey we're doing it now which there's I really like no to look reason... at you
2: we couldn't try and set something up for when uh, it's the normal squad. That's true. That's true. It's just laziness, I guess. Yeah. Maybe. Mostly laziness. That could be it.
0: Anyway, Alex and Kevin, welcome to the show. Will you briefly talk about uh, yourselves and your podcasts before Tona gives us the drink of the evening?
3: Oh, certainly. Um, But first. Oh, my God. It is time for tradition. All right. Oh!
2: Whoa! Whoa! Wait! Wait! I didn't get a. I didn't. I didn't
0: get a shot. Well, go Uh-oh. get one. my man. Oh, I'm gonna go get a shot. Grab a white claw. Don't grab a white I claw. Met, that was a mistake.
2: Up. Don't. I got a white me. claw to <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're not Both chugging that. Time. You're not, not chugging stacked, that, though. Like an bro. idiot.
3: I, like I, I did. I could. I. Hey, wait. Is that
0: the new one? I wouldn't recommend yeah. it.
3: Was it BlackBerry? Yeah. Oh, God, here he goes. I thought you were just going to pull from the hand. Are you just going to pull from the handle? Yeah, why well, oh, wouldn't man. I? Oh, gosh. <laughs> why not? I have mine oh, in a right. rocks glass. He's got
1: hair on his chest. <laughs> <laughs> or he's so. about to with El
3: Himador. Uh, or Jimmy. Cheers. Cheers. there's no chugging here. Yeah, we don't uh, have Kevin, do you- would you like to uh, cheers us to
1: something? Cheers? Uh, oh, man, I want to do the same cheers that uh, we utterly beefed recording uh freaking rabble this week
0: oh my god it was so good it was, was so it? good
1: you got quick story my, time my josh. stomach hurts or something <laughs> cheers to my stomach hurts <laughs> you're like i'm so hungry
0: josh josh goes well kevin normally we sign out with emily giving us like a benediction do you want us to get like do you have a toast you want to give and kevin's like I think I'd rather not. So Josh is like, okay, I'll do it. And then Josh goes silent for like 20 seconds. And he's like, oh, I have to talk now. (laughs) Like he completely blanked. He was distracted by how hard he had to pee. Like That's what it was. He was like, I had to pee so bad. I couldn't handle (laughs) it. So he's like, okay, I'll do it. And then he just goes quiet for 20 seconds expecting one of us to say anything. Oh, so good. But is that what you,
3: that's the energy? So so, so
0: to, to Josh. Josh. <laughs> to Josh. I have to And be. the
3: growth of his bladder. No, oh,
1: I have to, I have to
3: <laughs> The guest shot. For the guest spot.
0: Guest shot. Can I be honest with you guys right now? Yep. Um mm. I have never All right, go ahead ever done a shot before this was literally the first time i went and shot hey congrats we did did it it,
3: kevin yeah
0: i didn't explode look at me go
1: well you will soon
0: there's time yeah give it time i just ate i did just finish dinner so maybe that's a better
1: man trucking the white
0: claw the last time was such a mistake (laughs) you guys that's gonna end up being your
3: tradition if you're not careful yeah i know
0: yeah i should definitely stop bringing it up shouldn't i
3: (laughs) Well, on that note of our guest, Shot, Welcome. and a wonderful plug for Ravel, here's your other plug for <laughs> Into, uh, which Kevin and I uh, are largely the, the brain children of, the creators of, and we uh, do a roundtable show with my wife and my parents, slash Kevin's quote-unquote adoptive parents, because we have grown up together for so long. And we talk about all kinds of stuff, whatever it is that we're into.
1: You could say that we're the brain daddies of the show.
3: Ooh,
0: Brain daddies. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Backwards order of season two out so far. Poop stories, which golden 10 out of 10, boys. It's a banger. Well done. Uh, The the God Committee, which made me physically ill because it was so hard to like think about. So well done, Alex, for prepping that one. (laughs) you're welcome and a more than two hour conversation about the nature of consent
3: also keep in mind this is with alex's wife and his parents um yeah it's weird the generational gap is weird and very fun and the point to be able to talk about consent and like what people would you kill dad and he has to make decisions (laughs) in front of you about like well do i kill the mother or the scientist you know Right. Um, Science. So you learn you learn a lot about each other. And <laughs> oh, I wasn't supposed to answer the it? You can if you listen. Uh, just to just wait in God committee. That's that what I exactly need to what to you're me. supposed to do. Okay. All right. And up and coming delight, which is just a very happy episode about all the things that delight you. And on the opposite side of the spectrum. Oh
1: boy! If God committee made you feel bad, we talk about <laughs> death. For like the whole two time. hours, yeah, Oh. and that's part
3: one. And Kevin so cries. Oh, it's Kevin. the death cafe. Oh. I think probably everyone cried oh, at the table. Didn't. I definitely so. will.
0: I cried. It's good. It's stupid.
3: No people. Um, we don't like to think about death, and that's kind of the point of the episode. Huh. Is like I, I'm not doing it to make people uncomfortable. I'm doing it because we don't talk about it. Yeah, mm. that's great. More people so. should
0: talk about it. I appreciate that um Confront reality. what's the silliest thing you've ever cried at i'll go first to give you guys some time to think about that prompt um i remember crying at a folgers commercial
1: <laughs>
0: uh. um yeah they had this very moving uh it was like right around christmas i saw the the ad i was like at the gym i was on the exercise bike and i saw it i didn't even have the audio but there was this really moving sequence of a kid like...
3: You didn't have the audio to a Folgers commercial and it still made it's you still, cry it was while still working moving. out. Yeah. Look at me go. I just want to paint a full <laughs> picture of this. <laughs> You're in an active sweat. Yeah. No audio looking at a Folgers Get commercial. Get my sweat on. On probably a distant TV. Yep.
0: And it teared me up a little bit. It was very nice. This, this uh, boy makes like a really crappy coffee mug like... In elementary school, you know how we used to like make ashtrays or whatever as a project. Mm. He makes or a coffee mug. Were. I
2: don't think you make a... Are you allowed to make ashtrays anymore? I don't even know if that's like. No, legal. I don't. It think it's so Father's Day. Make Jeez. an
1: ashtray for your papa. It's just a, we were a while <laughs> Hey, Dad, I know 80s. you don't
2: smoke, but you're gonna be so disappointed in this, you're gonna start. It's just. <laughs> 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 It's just a mini plate, and that's all we
0: can make when we're (laughs) in elementary school, apparently. But yeah, so he makes this crappy mug for his dad, and with like acrylic paints, he puts dad in a really wonky, you know, and he gives it to the dad, and then the next morning, the dad is like making coffee, and he reaches for just his normal mug, and then right next to it is the dad mug, and he looks back at his kid at the breakfast table, and then the next shot is him sitting down at the table with the crappy mug full of coffee, and I was like, oh. That's so nice, sweet. That's so that's nice, horrible. and it made me tear up. And I feel ridiculous about it, but I love talking about it.
3: I want to see the counter commercial. That's a mug company that makes <laughs> mugs so good that he looks at that mug, <laughs> looks at his kid, and is like, <laughs> knocks Bam. it over. I'm using <laughs> the same mug. that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> better than a child-made mug. <laughs> There's a shot of him Crate sipping coffee
0: up. as as his wife, like sweeps up the broken shards of the handmade
3: Yeah, (laughs) that's what i'm talking about
0: yeah man of the house
3: (laughs) yeah. yeah mine mine is definitely not silliest but i will give you the most recent oh okay uh which may or may not be silly i loved again another plug for ravel i loved my dad's ravel episode and Being so tight with him on that journey with science and faith, yeah, and then for him to do the benediction at the end, and for it to be like such a sweet, wholesome episode, and his benediction to be like just a heartwarming blessing, and knowing that like everything that he's been going through, it made me tear up, man. Oh,
1: yeah, dude, that is really silly. Why would you cry? That's silly, (laughs) stupid. I
3: pulled Katie in, and I'm like, I just finished the Ravel episode, and I'm crying.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) so well, i'm glad to give you that gift that was a nice one it wasn't
3: even sad it was only heartwarming i know it was it was a nice happy that's a good happy tear that's a good reason to cry right there yeah
2: Men yeah because i was gonna say i don't really cry at non-trivial things yeah but right. the benediction that's not that's far from non-trivial so yeah
0: what do you cry at then it's your turn then
2: if we're talking silly things i guess way back in the day the the last scene of uh the third lord of the rings mm. when frodo's oh. boarding the ship to leave that that uh, was a tear tear gripper and his his friends are just like weeping on yeah. the docks yeah oh that's kind of that's kind of heartwarming but silly because it's just a movie so i would say that's it stop <laughs> <laughs> movies
3: <laughs> is real Frodo True. is finally Heart is real. Frodo is
0: finally going to the place that will allow his everlasting wounds to heal.
3: What a silly thing! <laughs>
0: Stupid movie, not for me.
3: <laughs> Dumb. Yeah. Dumb movie, definitely for me. <laughs> More no. peace. Big right. big
2: fan of Lord of the Rings. So right, yeah.
1: nice. What about you, Kev, my Enneagram Four friend? Well, as I said on Rabble, uh, everything, uh, most concerts. Yes. Almost all concerts. Oh, yeah. Silliest. You just
3: told me that again. Yeah.
1: Music yeah. induced crying. Oh, yeah. Oh, big okay. for me. All right. Oh, this guy DJs. Yeah, I cry at almost Do you every cry show while DJing? That I play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually.
3: <gasps> no way. Oh, yeah, dude. I didn't even know that.
1: Yeah. Uh, only only like really good ones. Um. Oh, no, like that's the, just the pee coming out of your
3: eyes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that that is also a callback to an into episode (laughs) where I talk about how often I pee my pants while DJing. Yep. Um, No, but uh, like, especially uh, like the first concert back after uh, like self social distancing and like quarantining and stuff. And like all of you guys were there. uh, Oh yeah. Mm. Uh, But silliest, like now that we know where the baseline is uh, how little it takes for me to cry. Um, I'd say the silliest and most repeatable one uh is the portal scene from the Avengers. Oh like oh. when all hope is lost and then it's like oh, oh. oh. you're like oh oh and it's like bah, 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 bah. Oh. And, you know, every time I'm like Yeah.
2: Yes, yes. Cause oh, it always friends, music, oh. music induced crying, MCU induced crying. Oh yeah.
1: Oh, I feel that. That lot, about does Jordan. it. Commercials. Yeah. I, I, I feel the, uh, a
0: lot.
2: Oh, because it also calls
0: back like the moment in Infinity War when uh, Spider-Man is like, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. <laughs> oh. We don't talk about that scene. <laughs> Come on happy now. Happy cries only. Come on. <laughs> it's reverse, <laughs> Alex. This is fair. Spoiler alert. If you haven't it's seen Endgame, have like a rube. Uh, uh, we're into it. All right. Yeah, we hey, are. You have to pay
1: us now. Hey, okay, real <laughs> That's a nickel, real quick, because I <laughs> I want my other
0: show in on the action. Kevin is coming up on No Normal People. We're going to record that this weekend oh, yeah. as well. I just got to plug No Normal People because we've gotten all four shows in somehow.
3: If you want to know why Kevin cries, hey,
1: <laughs> Deep, Deep, listen to his life story. Deeply set trauma.
3: Very good. <laughs> deeply, yeah, very good.
0: All right, my heavens, my goodness. Mr. Torna, will you tell me about the drink, our featured drink for this episode?
2: Absolutely. The featured drink tonight is a drink that you are familiar with because you just recently got to share one with me. Ah, Yes. Yes. This evening, we are drinking a Scofflaw. That's a fun name. It is a fun name. Just wait until you have a story why it's called a Scofflaw. It's pretty cool. Last week, I had mentioned that I was going to be doing a little bartending at a friend's party. Mr. Tim Legacy, shout out to you. You've gotten a lot of shout outs. We like yeah, you Yeah, I think lot. like every episode no, we shout out. Yeah, know Tim that. Out. We really like you, Tim. Sup? But uh, Mr. Henning was there, and the lovely Dixie Henning was there. So I got to serve cocktails to all these beautiful people, and one of them was the Scofflaw. One of my favorite rye drinks, it's beautiful. It's this majestic pomegranate red color, and it's an ounce and a half of rye whiskey, an ounce and a half of Sweet vermouth, three quarters an ounce of lemon juice, and three quarters an ounce of pomegranate syrup, otherwise known as grenadine. But don't make it with grenadine. I've never known that. Oh, okay. Get pomegranate juice and pomegranate syrup and make your own grenadine. It's 10 times better. Anyway, throw all those ingredients in a shaker, get funky with it, shake it down, strain it into a glass. Throw a orange peel in there, and uh, careful,
3: because you might end up chugging them. It looks expensive. That is a very pretty drink. <laughs> it's yeah. it's dangerously that delicious. color. That yeah. that's like mm. a royal, you know, yeah. red, pinky, purple, dark. Mm-hmm. It looks expensive.
1: That's what the color is actually. If you look up at like pinky uh, purple Home dark. Depot. Yeah,
2: <laughs> pinky purple from Home Depot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna go into uh, Home Depot Pink with samples. just holding this, holding a cocktail. <laughs> oh, like, can yeah. you can you match this color? Yeah, yeah oh. that's uh, Sherman
1: Williams. Uh, red inky purple dark, <laughs> pinky, pinky purple dark. That's about right. The
2: uh, grenadine that I made. You take pomegranate juice and cook it down. You condense it into something thick, and then I add orange peel and rose petal. And a little bit of rose water, Whoa. and then cook it all down. And it gets really floral with the pomegranate tones, and it makes the cocktail nice and thick. Because when you buy store buying store bought grenadine, it's just like watery. You know, it's like thin and it doesn't taste like pomegranate, which it's supposed to. So when you make it yourself, big different. Then you can cheap out on the other ingredients and still get a pretty bomb diggity cocktail. Oh. But if you cheap out on all the ingredients, it's not a good experience.
3: Yeah, it looks like smoothie consistency. It's very thick. That's that's a thick boy. It is. It's like a half melty smoothie. So, yeah, Yeah.
2: absolutely delicious cocktail. Pretty cool. It's a uh, Prohibition-era cocktail that comes out of uh, London. So about two years into Prohibition, a newspaper in the United States put out a competition for people to submit words to describe a bootlegger. Someone that was breaking the law and concerns of prohibition. And bootlegger this bootlegger was not good enough. Yeah, not good enough. <laughs> so the winner of this competition came up with the word scoff law. Real imaginative, someone that scoffs at the law. But they won. They got a nice cash prize, everything like that. And within a few weeks, obviously this was pretty big news in the United States. It made its way overseas to the losers of the Revolutionary War.
3: <laughs> Get wrecked. <laughs>
2: anyway, and they, yeah. uh, a bar in London ended up creating this drink. Named it the Scofflaw in honor of those protesting against Prohibition. And so in the United States during that era, it kind of became a, actually a word of endearment. More so than a slur, which is what they were going for.
1: Nice. Be a Scofflaw. Nice. Cheers Man, to the Man, those guys Club. got all the good names. Bootlegger, scoughlaw, moonshiner, like oh yeah, oh yeah. What do we have
3: today? A lol cop, a near (laughs) duel. Come on, come on,
2: come on. So that's what we got tonight. All right. What are you gents drinking?
0: I'm drinking Uh, my customary 11 year old. It's 11, yeah, 11 year old Offerman Limited Lagavulin Scotch, mm. as always
1: i'm having i oh i even tried to time it i like (laughs) you first i'm sure you mentioned that
3: yours is like a strong daddy so i thought that i should let you finish last because mine's just a white russian
1: Oh, ooh, I uh aw.
3: I've been sick this week and had two days off of work. So get and, that man
1: some milk.
0: <laughs> and, and
3: so the doctor said you need to drink more White Russians. Hey, uh you have a lot of snot in your nose. Would you like some more? <laughs> no, I watched Big Lebowski on Monday. Yes! And oh, I awesome. swear, since Monday, I've been like, oh, the next drink I have is going to be a White Russian. I swear. Yeah. And sure enough, wow. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, you commit it. He cool. makes it look so good, but he but he drinks it in the nastiest ways. You know, it like gets in his beard and he like
1: <laughs> licks it off of his... You know it's warm. You know it's warm. Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> but I'm still like, I want that. <laughs> <laughs> He's Kevin. Selling the experience.
1: Now you've reminded me of the first drink I ever ordered from a bar when I had a fake ID when I was 16 in Las Vegas, and it was in fact a white Russian and the bartender was just too over it to care. But little six year old me is like, Hi, I'll have a white Russian. It's like <laughs> noon in Vegas. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know what I'm doing.
3: I need my milk. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like
1: $30. And it was like,
3: Thank you. Wow. Uh, that sounds right. Yep. Very good.
1: Uh, this is called a Jeff Danger. Um, oh, named after me and a bartender. There's a really cool speakeasy uh, right across from where I work. Um, Back when we all used to go into work, that was like our happy hour spot. And they had a mystical book behind the bar and it was just full of drink recipes that uh, any of the bartenders who worked there came up with with a patron and was good. They would write these recipes down in the book. <clears throat> and I was like, I want to be in that book. and uh so it's basically an old-fashioned except all the ingredients are different um
3: (laughs) ah yes yeah it's the new alcohol drinks new fashioned
1: (laughs) so it's bourbon amaro and uh all-spice liqueur and Hmm. just standard bitters it slaps
2: wow sounds
0: delicious is it garnished with something what do i see in there
1: just a big square ice cube, because I'm oh, bougie. I like that. Big square. What kind of Amaro? Amaro uh, No, the... Oh, God. I don't remember, but it's a very specific kind. Hold on.
3: Oh, no. Here we go. Clickety-clackety. On the Google.
1: I can see Kevin, the... Kevin,
3: is this bottle on your, on your shelf?
1: Yeah. Uh, the... Mazzotti. You
2: gotta get intimate with your bar. You gotta know the liquor inside and <laughs> I out. D- I have oh, like three different bottles
1: of Amaro in there. <laughs>
4: uh,
2: They're like yeah. your, you know, in a you know ever evolving civilization that lacks children. Like you gotta substitute that for something. So your liquor becomes your mm. your children.
1: Oh, you make a good point. That's it pretty good advice. Brain daddy's so, got to know the name of his children. That was some solid advice for Kevin. True. <laughs> no, pretty good.
3: Do you have pets, Kevin? <laughs> yeah,
1: I got one.
2: Oh, so you can project that onto them.
1: Yeah. Damn it, Turbo. Okay. <laughs> Classic Turbo. Classic. Actually, I can... So I close my door uh, so you couldn't hear my roommates, but I can literally see Turbo's ass... Like laughing <laughs> through the bottom of the door because he wants to let me in. let him in. Oh yes, he might come and say hi soon. Anyway, it's uh, I'm just waiting for him to
2: come through that doorway. He might. I hope so. Uh,
1: it's fratelli
4: Ramazzotti Yeah,
2: cool. that sounds
1: right. we got the answer. You asked. Don't cool. No, me. that's cr- I don't. I don't know what that is. I, oh. uh, no, oh. but that's, that's uh, <laughs> I don't know that cool. Who asked? you
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh that <laughs> okay let's can I let's. use a different Amaro or should I use that Amaro if I want to replicate this
1: uh the bartender told me that the Amaro used is important but I haven't tried it with different ones so I couldn't uh, it might be better right, with I a will. different one but well listen uh, torna just uh, gave us
0: many many reasons why a very specific recipe for grenadine is important for his beverage true. so
1: your brand of amaro
0: is equally then, as linchpin then
1: in that case you'll want uh saint elizabeth's allspice dram and Ooh. uh old that Grand sounds Dad incredible Burman. i've never
2: seen it but that sounds incredible i love it's allspice so good. It's so
1: good. uh and then old granddad for bourbon
2: that uh, got it on the shelf all the time yeah.
0: Alex I'm what kind of what nice. kind of milk do you have in that white Russian
3: <laughs> oh my god what kind of milk guy are you it's heavy whipping cream oh, because, my K- god. because Katie had that leftover from making something Hell none
2: of this yeah. because because Katie I just want to imagine that you just only have heavy whipping cream in your fridge
3: <laughs> no I'm a man who just- has oat milk rice milk and 2% yes And if I didn't have heavy whipping, it would be an amalgamation of all three. Oh, because I'm disgusting.
1: Yo, have you tried raw milk?
3: No, (laughs) I have. (laughs) Okay, wait. Was Josh actually drinking raw milk? No, he was not. Man, the way you guys put it, I was like, dude, I want him to drink raw milk. No, it's not illegal to drink. Josh just loves. You're not going to (laughs) die. It's
0: illegal to sell. Just (laughs) like drugs. The government. Josh just loves to make non-sequitur like, uh, uh, pivots. That was beautiful. So we were, yeah, we, <laughs> so speaking of raw milk. Yeah, I loved yeah. that episode. That was, that Thanks. was a good one. Oh. absolutely.
3: Well, I, I come to the table having listening, listening, listening to your <laughs> listening. Hey, I've been listening to this here whiskey bench podcast. Um, I just listened. To the individualism episode, and I have the same question, kind of uh, thematically, across many Whiskey Bench episodes, and it is, "To what do I owe my neighbor?" Mm-hmm. In a in a perhaps Mister Rogers sense, you know, won't you? You be know what neighbor? I you know what I titled to what do this? I owe my neighbor? Oh. You have a
2: title already? I, I titled this episode Scof Law and Won't You Be My Neighbor.
3: There we oh, go. Yeah. I have a tattoo, by the way, of Mr. Rogers. Oh, yeah. No ish. way. Yeah, this is the Banksy flower thrower, oh, but he's wearing Mr. Rogers clothes. Uh, amazing. Because oh. I believe idea. in Mr. Rogers. <laughs> there you go. That's instantly what I
2: thought <laughs> of. So. Sorry to interrupt, please Ken. continue.
3: That's it. That really is the question. I don't know that I have a conclusion, and I will preface mm-hmm. with I don't feel good about any of this. And the whole conversation is going to feel hypocritical. Right. Oh, because we're going to talk, we're going to talk about charity and like what we ought to be doing. But like, if we looked at any of our individual lives, like, are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? So preface with that, like, I don't claim to be here practicing what I preach or think is the ideal, but in the question of individualism, and honestly, I, I, I do wish Kat was here because I know that she would have spicy takes on this because when it comes to free market and like, well, if an individual is just greedy and pursues their own self-interest, everyone will benefit, but there are limits on that or, or the, the, the logical conclusion is like, and plenty of people within that system will be exploited, taken advantage of, whatever, and like... To hell with them, because the greater good in the long term projection is that it's 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 quite utilitarian. Cat's view, I I would think. I I know I'm speaking for her, so that's unfair. So sorry. Well, she can't (laughs) defend herself.
1: So,
3: (laughs) um, but no, because I think in in uh Cat's you know very libertarian free market capitalist view, your neighbor is cared for by you pursuing your own self interest. And I feel like she would be cool with that, right? This is, this is coming as someone who's not a host on the show. So it's like, <laughs> uh, but that, that listening to all the episodes, I feel like Kat would be like, yes, that is the, the route to the greater good is for yeah, each I, I would individual
2: on the 30,000 foot view. Yes, totally. Bigs. It's nice to have a camera. Cause you can see my Italian, lots the of gestures, hand the mm-hmm. gestures. It's powerful. Uh, Yes, so 30,000 foot view, the trajectory is everyone is lifted upwards, generally, the trend is.
3: And this, I would feel um, similarly to like natural selection, right, would be like all of the individuals are just pursuing survival and certain traits will win and like even largely advantageous Species will survive, but like species that aren't doing so well, like they're just going to die and get left behind. But like life as a whole will be better off because it's evolving over time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So here, here's the big question. Sorry if I'm getting a little too like out there uh, or like big picture, because specifically it's saying in a natural selection uh, example, what do we do for for species that are losing for individuals who are losing. Like, do we say th- you know, just desserts, this is your fate? Alas, I wish I wish you had better opportunities, like, so is the luck of the draw. Or is this like the community has an obligation to provide for an individual unable to provide for themselves? Welcome to the Death Committee, but on Whiskey Bench. <laughs> do you feel bad that's the goal well done
0: you have a knack for posing the big like the big topic questions that
2: make you feel
0: bad just like you this a knack for making Sorry. people
1: uncomfortable <laughs> you're like really
2: good at it man we need to hang out more because i thrive on making people uncomfortable Hell oh yeah. boy
3: but that's not even my goal it's the same as with death cafe i'm like this is important we should talk about it oh god well, no that's, the, that's not
2: my goal either but i just don't think anything's off
3: limits so mm. unoffendable so here's yeah that's, pretty much that's the like thirty thousand foot right mm-hmm. so specifically um here's an example that i love talking about and sorry if i'm piloting the conversation too much i'm happy to to go off on tangents an essay that i cannot get out of my head i will harp on it all the time we already have an episode of into that has it interjected is peter singer's essay in 1972 it's called famine, affluence, and morality. And the premise is, or here, here's a good uh, metaphor that he uses in there: famine, affluence, mm. morality. The example posed in the essay is, right. So here's a good starting point. You see a child drowning in a lake. Do you have, and you're walking by, do you have an obligation to save said child? Gut answer is yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. I would assume, right? Everyone would be like, Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously. Yeah, you have the means. You're not going to die if you go in there. That's fine. Right. You might even say like, okay, well, what if it's not a child? What if it's a person? Okay, that's fine. What if I don't know how to swim? Do I have a moral obligation to save the
1: person? I think you got a moral obligation to try. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least like a, hello, I don't know how to swim. Somebody comes. I'll call someone yeah, else. That's right? what I mean. An Spe- attempt. S- speaking as yeah. someone who doesn't know how to swim, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like I might kill us both. So maybe I can get somebody else. But if I know for a fact there is no one else better suited to do this, uh-huh. I probably give a whirl
3: now. I would be willing to argue that the current free market system, right, and in a generally libertarian view, is that nothing should compel that individual to make that decision, Mm. right? It's just that morally, there seems to be like this tribal view that it would be bad if you didn't save that child, but like technically if you chose not to save that child, would you get charged with anything? You know what I mean? Like we would just think poorly of you.
2: Sure. But the, the other thing is I don't think as far as the free market argument is concerned and specifically talking from like the libertarian point of view, it's more like no person or specifically like entity should compel you to do something. So I don't think this is so much a, this is more, truly more of a moral and ethic question, Mm. which we can go into that, but I don't know if that kind of correlation translates to the free market per se, but counter-argument to what I'm thinking, if you're then tying that example into exploitation of, I mean... A child drowning isn't realistic, but a child being injured in a factory is.
3: Totally. And you guys have talked about this somewhat, so we don't have to rehash all of that, because there are certainly ethical dilemmas of purchasing technology that's made in China with slave labor, and so on. But I think specifically might be, if I know that a corporation is acting in a way that I think is morally wrong, can I, ought I to compel them to act differently? Because I, I would say yes. So I'll like reveal my cards in all of these <laughs> yeah, scenarios. No, I'm like, i would say compel the individual, <clears throat> compel the collective to do the right thing. Um, but of okay. course, this is coming from Mr. Raw Milk Regulation Man. So I'll, I'll <laughs> so- totally put all of my cards on the table and be like, I think it's a better world when you compel an individual to act in a way that benefits the greater good quote-unquote
2: right however counter to that there's a lot of times in history where the argument was this is for the greater good and i don't know 200 million people died so but that's kind of i know where you're coming from though the greater good being this moral standpoint which is i think well kevin i can't speak for you but i know henning I think I'm starting to know you a bit better. <laughs> I think we all very deeply value human life.
3: Well, that is, that is the baseline assumption to all the metaphors. It's like a person drowning is a bad, right? Human suffering and especially human death would be a bad thing. So, but then this gets into the nitty gritty of where your morality comes from, because
2: I mentioned this last episode about, if your worldview is truly like a neo-Darwinistic worldview, which is, like I had mentioned, a lot of people actually have that view. They're like, really, at the end of the day, it is dog-eat-dog, fill-in-the-blank. From a neo-Darwinistic standpoint, there is no moral obligation to help a child that you don't know. Now, if it's part of your clan or part of your tribe, then from a neo-Darwinistic standpoint, you have an obligation to protect that child or to save that child because that is how your tribe will continue on in a lineage of strictly biology.
3: Wonderful. This is a great hole to go down. Two, two things in a neo-Darwinistic perspective, which I would say for the most part, I think I agree with. Um, so I might be one of those people. A fun challenge to that is that doesn't, now that we are more enlightened humans that doesn't just mean like can i am i strong can i mate because it's like it is in my best interest to make sure that stephen hawking survives right even though he is unable to survive on his own it is my neo-darwinistic imperative to make sure that people who cannot survive on their own survive for my own selfish gain Which, to me, is somewhat of an argument of, like, caring for people who might not otherwise be able to be cared for. But I think a more interesting hole to go down is, who is my neighbor, then? So, like, if it's part of my tribe, I should care for them, right? So, if we said, like, even my family, right? If that person drowning in the lake is my daughter, my sister, my mom, or my dad, whatever. Marv probably can't swim. Well, who knows? (laughs) <laughs> at his ripe old. Shout age. out no, Pops. He's, a, he's a great diver, which is so funny. <laughs> but yeah, like, dude, then I'd be an extra bad person. But I still don't know that anything compels me within like legal, political, economic system to do that right thing. And maybe that's where like just genes are kicking in of like, well, it's because it's your dad or a relative. And then what happens when we keep extending that tribe of like, okay, it's the 150 people that you know, who are closest to you. Okay. It's the 30,000 people within your town. It's the 150,000 people within your County. It's the, you know, million people in your state. And then so on, like what dictates that sphere? So I've got so much to say
2: about this because oh boy, if you have been listening to the, to the whiskey bench for the last, I don't know, 10 episodes I've been going through a lot of mental like processes I have been really working through some fundamental
3: beliefs that I have dude I gasped out loud on the last episode when you said maybe maybe an individual doesn't really have control of their destiny and I was like holy what like that came out of (laughs) Torna's mouth yeah that's saying something yeah and like feel free to talk about that I'm curious no,
2: no, for sure. But I wanna definitely hear Henning and, and Kevin's thoughts on this, but
1: I cede my time um, to you.
2: <laughs> Henning?
0: Very thoughtful. Yeah, no, I'm I am uh tracking with you guys, but honestly, you uh I don't know. You guys are at a caliber right now where I feel like I'm more catching up than I am like keeping pace. Okay. Well so, let's
2: let's just kind of tackle this a little chunk at yeah. a time. Let's just talk about neighbor how I perceive a neighbor or how I'm starting to perceive neighbor. We've mentioned this before. We are in a very, very difficult time as far as the amount of information that we take in and what I think we are capable of processing and emotionally understanding. I don't think, I mean, there's plenty of evidence and studies that show that, like you had just mentioned, the 150 people, like there's an
3: amount of people that you're- I'm even, a big believer in the Dunbar number.
2: Yeah, yeah, Dunbar's number. Oh, yeah. You can only handle so much, right? And now that we have such a globalized, ma- mankind is so globalized, you are seeing things from all over the world. So the idea of a neighbor is kind of being thrust upon you as 7.5 billion people or whatever the total population of the earth is. I don't think that we're really capable of understanding that. But more and more, as I'm being convicted of serving my neighbor and being a good neighbor and and all of these things, I'm just perceiving your neighbor as whoever you are interacting with at any given point. Like, you walk by the person on the street that needs money or something like that. At that point, if you see him and you acknowledge him, he is your neighbor. And that's where I'm starting to have to kind of reevaluate what i've thought it's kind of whoever's in your immediate vicinity or who you i guess make or allow into your immediate vicinity because now being in the internet age like there are plenty of people that i know and care about that are out far away Mm -hmm. from me that without it i would have never crossed paths with so that makes it difficult obviously
3: And yet, within your potential Dunbar tribe. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you're nailing it on that. I think that's the big question, is like, okay, we are, well, from my perspective, we are evolved creatures who have kind of this innate set community limit of, like, around 150, right? And that's loosely studied, but people kind of agree on, like, yeah, humans aren't super capable. Memory... Personal relationship. Like there's a lot of limits, and it seems like that breaks down at around 150. And yet we are living in this society, a technological world, political world that we have constructed that exceeds those limits. And how do we deal with that? Right. Cause like if you had, let's even say a church or even a family, right, that was 150, if your whole goal was like, I'm going to care for these 150 people as much as i possibly can um and (laughs) uh without being crucified be like in an almost communist society of like our whole goal us 150 people are going to be as tight and well off as each other right but that becomes super problematic as soon as you exceed that dunbar limit for all kinds of reasons but I think that that is like the crux of this problem is that we are innately capable of dealing in a small group in a really effective way, uh, but now we function in very large groups, and we don't know how to care for each other.
0: Yeah, the village is or the world is the village again. I think I've said that phrase before, kind of thinking about like, how our interconnectivity has like made the world almost feel small again after after mm-hmm. we had a period of human history where the world felt like, like it would never end, like Columbus making his voyage, you know, and then the Americans sure. spreading into the west, you know. It was like, what isn't there to, what like where isn't there to go? Um, but, but we sure. finally found the end of the circle, yeah. And the the village is like now the size of the world because we've connected ourselves. the The pace at which that happens is, like. I like what we're highlighting there. Torna, your, your idea of, like, it's the person you're interacting with is, mm-hmm. I think that's right, but I'm not convinced it can stop there, you know? Because, like, I, I don't interact sure. with my third neighbor, you know, in my complex of townhomes here, but I am their neighbor in the way I behave. Like,
2: Right, but if you bump into them on your way at your house and you now have a conversation with them, sure. and as you're walking to your car, his car isn't starting, yeah. but you're running late for work, mm. that guy's now your neighbor because you just had an interaction and you're you're active in that person's life at yeah. that moment. Okay, so it's that's how I'm start. That's how I'm starting
3: to sure. perceive
0: it,
2: depending on who is like,
3: yeah,
0: right the npcs in your life. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs>
3: that's a, okay. that's a good way of putting it.
1: <laughs> so, I I feel very similarly uh to what Turner was saying about how whoever whoever you are interacting with currently is has now been added to your tribe of neighbor. Yeah. Um to delineate it a little bit, I think practically for all of humanity up until Pretty recently in terms of scope of things, that was a problem managed geographically that you're uh, I don't want to I don't want to drop my special take yet.
0: <laughs> but, but <limited laughs> special take incoming in the yeah. hole. Oh,
1: yeah. oh, I've been working on this, but limited to your power, we'll say uh, you were limited geographically that like, yeah, you. You can't have neighbors further than that because we only got horses, dude. Like they only go so far. Um, So obviously in for information and post information age, that's that's a non-issue. This is not a naturally geographically bordered, you know, uh, ideology or whatever. So now that we don't have that problem, I don't think that there's a word yet that accurately defines this. But for now, I guess we'll say influence. That was the special take. Here it comes. So (laughs) ready. (laughs) So we're going to pause there. And like Steven now knows from my rabble episode, I just throw anecdotes until either I or one of you puts it It together. It all connects. But So like I have my own neighborhood, um, which is, you know, a couple hundred people that I interact with often, uh, my tribe. And then I have the few people that are geographically all over, um, but I still count as one of these people. You know, some of them I've never actually met in person before, but were they to come to me with a problem or whatever, I got them. They're in my tribe. But uh, for a brief period of time, about every week or every other week, I am interacting with 2,000 people and they have, I have their almost undivided attention while DJing. So I'm in front of a crowd. And for this brief moment, my influence is multiplied drastically. My output, my amplification to get ideas or information across for a very brief point, my neighborhood like. Quintuples, and that's crazy, (laughs) like I could use that time to uh, push something that I think is for the greater good, theoretically, or I could use it purely for my own gain, uh, which is mostly what I do. (laughs) Um, I don't know. It's weird Uh, because like we're saying about, you know, it's it's whoever you're interacting with right now. Right. Like for a brief second, that goes huge. Yeah. And so I'm thinking of people who have a bajillion followers on Twitter or something. And you're like, man, you could probably do something with all of that input, all of that reach, all of that influence. Yeah. And many people do. Are you obligated to? Many people know.
0: That is the question. I mean, like. That is the question. There are people listening to the Whiskey Bench right now that maybe one of the four of us have actually met in person that was a neighbor for that brief moment as we interacted with them. But now even mm-hmm. interaction now is asynchronous and our influence is asynchronous so that I send a joke tweet out and somebody sees it three days from now and they're being influenced by me. Thereby, I think by our working definition, they are a neighbor. So then of course the question, Kevin, of course, the question is like what is my obligation to be decent, moral, upstanding, positive, even like providing benefit to the world. Yeah. Like I, I think about that a lot with, I mean, multiple podcasts that I show up on now. Like there are people that like sometimes reach out, but uh, there are many, many listeners of Ravel that I will never meet just by the nature of the way our one to many world is built. And that's the thing too, Mm -hmm. is we all like, it's just, it's part of our, um, economic status now is like a followership, and like we like looking to increase our influence, but understanding that that uh maybe linearly grows like our neighborship, I guess, or our neighborhood, the way you described it. Dang, and I want to be fun to think about. It's bad no, either. I don't. Yeah. I don't think it's bad either. I think bad actors can use it use the system and abuse the system exactly (laughs) which is always Alex's point when we come to free market conversation is like some people are just going to be greedy abuse and be assholes
3: (laughs) that's just the nature of it you know so my large question here and my open opinion right is that and here's here's where I think it'll get spicy in discussing the solution right because in my mind I think Okay, if we all want greater good and we all recognize that, like, the state of Colorado, the state of Montana, the United States of America, the world are different scales of neighborhood, it requires an organization large enough and in charge of said geographical location to ensure, like, the good of the people. And that's where I lean less ah, the free market will take care of everyone, and more like, well, if I have everyone paying into the government, then it should be the use of tax dollars to then take care of the people. Because Mm -hmm. this is the neighborhood, and that's the only way that I can ensure that everyone pays into the system and that we have, like, a budget to take care of everybody. Mutual benefit by the tax dollar, ideally. I mean, like, you're describing federalism at this point, right? Yeah. And and the... What sucks is we would not have this conversation if everyone, like, set aside 10%, 20% of their income or whatever for charity, and instead, as a country, as a state, as a town, whatever, we were like, no, that's not charity, this is your duty, in the same way that tax is your duty. Like, this has to happen, you have to donate money, it goes to whatever organization you want, but you have to do it. Where
1: have and I heard then, that? And then... Ten percent number before mm. Mm.
3: Mm. <laughs> I mean, in a way i uh, I like don't have that much of a problem with a church tithe because I think that they're kind of achieving that goal of like, all right, this is our tribe, everyone we tell them
1: mm-hmm. that they
3: are required well, not even then, like you're not required to give, and that's kind of the you're problem not, you're not it's not the problem though because
2: again, this is part of my transition and, and understanding. How people work and how your con- your convictions are pushing you towards certain decisions. I mean, you see throughout Scripture, if we're talking about the church, and I'm coming from the perspective of Judeo-Christian church. Sure, that's probably what we're most familiar with. When are you
3: switching to Orthodox? By yeah, or I don't know. I really remember that yeah, episode. Come on, I, I encourage yeah. you to pursue it. Yeah, that's, but it's cool stuff.
2: The thing is, is like having like a giver's heart. Like, in the scheme of your spiritual pursuit, like, feeling like, oh, I have to give 10%. Like, giving your 10% has no value if you don't have the heart behind it. And again, then you get disconnected from it, right? And then you have the utilitarian view, which is like, oh, well, yeah, you might, you know, bah humbug, give your 10%, but it's going to be used for the good. But it's not changing you which is where this weird self-interest and and transformation relationship comes in. But I've got an antidote, which is a beautiful story about church and taking care of people. Um, And then I'd like to comment on the whole idea of, well, we need some structure that is going to take care of everything. I want to start with that. Again, I think it's consistent even in like the United States government standpoint that from like a federal level, it's just too many people, too many problems, too many individual relationships for something like a federal government infrastructure or setup or design to take care of in a meaningful way. So if we flip over to my antidote I have, I I guess it wasn't this February, February previous, I was given the opportunity to go to LA right before COVID hit and help start to renovate an old, it was like a 1914 uh, Mesa style church in Hollywood. Absolutely beautiful building. I don't even know what denomination they were. Doesn't matter. I don't care. Beautiful church. And the people there are incredible. They were merging with a much larger church out in the LA area to give uh, that church an opportunity to have a, a worship center. Uh, in Hollywood proper, it's literally right across the street from the Scientology building. It's called Ew. the hope center. It's just like a small church. They were struggling financially, but they have in Hollywood every single day, 365 days a year for 20 years straight served meals to homeless people, 150 to 200 people a day claps claps in my book i mean that's
3: like that's totally what i'm going for
2: you can be cynical and you can say oh well look at how many people are homeless in la like that hundred people they're feeding a day is meaningless in the scheme of things
4: but i mean
2: the amount of people being impacted over 20 years like that's that's nuts to me that's insane and like in the scheme of things, big picture, I just did air quotes. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, right, right, it right. It doesn't matter, right? It's Podcast. not going. To, it's not going to in quote again air quotes solve the problem. But now I'm starting to realize more and more, like no, they are solving the problem. We just need more people like them. I completely agree. And and I don't think, and uh, this is something I don't think you could. The government could print eight billion or eight billion. That's nothing. That's, that's pennies. Small potatoes, trillion
3: dollars. There small we potatoes, go. My man, <laughs> this eight billion. Wait, government <laughs> just <laughs> passed.
2: Yeah, yeah. The government could print eight trillion dollars and say we're going to feed everyone in, in the United States. And I literally think, on a spiritual level and like actual emotional, like that eight trillion dollars from the federal government would not be as meaningful or as beautiful or as impactful as. The hope center over the last 20 years Mm. Hmm. and that's just my perspective starting to change on like what is meaningful and what is good and what is right as far as serving your neighbor we're going to take a quick break then we'll be back to our conversation if you like what you're hearing the best way to tell us about it would be on apple podcasts there you can leave us a five-star rating and a one or two sentence review to help others find the show thank you to reagan james for the use of our theme music, The Habit, off her album, Message. Find her work on Spotify and Apple Music. And thanks to Highline Media Network for having us as a founding podcast. Here's a quick preview of a recent episode from our sister show,
1: Ravel. I actually wrote out a manifesto. I'll send you guys after the podcast, but love that. I was just looking at that. It's well, it's like, how do I put this all down in something that captures it? And I basically say that I think God had one creative thought and everything else came about. I don't think he had to honestly, I don't think he's so weak that he has to come back and monkey with it. And go, oh, wow. you know what I forgot about? Darn it.
2: No pun intended. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Monkey. <laughs> and now, back to our conversation.
3: A difference here that you're making me realize is that, uh, in my perspective, I don't care about someone's attitude at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now I'm like, ah, oh, maybe that requires more value. Because you're like, no, these are people who want to serve, who want to give, who want to be there. And I'm like, Nah just tax everybody whether they want that or not and it will be for the greater good you know where it's like no what what happens for you volunteering in hollywood is that a lot of people within hollywood get the benefit which you know again air quotes benefit i think it it is a benefit to take care of homeless people and to feed mm-hmm. people who cannot otherwise feed themselves i think that's a benefit you are giving the community of hollywood a benefit that a bunch of other people in Hollywood are getting a free ride on. So this, it, you know, in my mind, I think we would probably agree that like if everyone did that, problem solved, mm-hmm. right? But it's like, uh yeah. crap. That's like five percent of the world is tornas. like, you know, if yeah. that. So instead, I'm like, ah, just tax everyone a hundred percent, and now we have a whole hundred percent of a country of tornas. That's like. I I've heard it quoted from uh,
0: pulpits many a time over my church career was pastor saying like, if every single Christian in America tithed, we would have no poverty, no child hunger or anything like that, which probably true, which is but probably then,
2: right. true. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's the counter argument though, right? You see churches that aren't using their funds for beneficial things which again this this now is going back to that moral question. We're we're talking about this from the church yeah. frame where I would say if you are a judeo-christian, right? orthodox, presbyterian f- what are some of the foursquare? <laughs> non-denominational <laughs> foursquare? Four foursquare, The Church of Foursquare? Is that a, denomination. a thing? Of of, okay, that's is? what I thought.
0: Church of beach yeah. volleyball.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Or that right? game we used to play in right, PE yeah. in elementary but, school.
2: The I would say, I would say you are compelled you, ha- you should have a conviction that's what is taught, and that's the goal, right to reflect what is being more like Jesus and the Orthodox again orthodox I'm going back yeah, to orthodoxy. Dude. they have a very interesting perspective of this, and it's like again, this is starting to form my my view of of what it is to be a neighbor, but like they're constantly talking about like you' you are a saint in the making as a as a Christian. This is again as I'm starting to understand it more and more. And there's two options. Like if you come across someone that is in need, you know, say it's somebody that want that needs money or says they need help. You can, which I have been in the past. Oh, I'm not gonna give this guy money. Like I don't know if he's actually homeless or like yada yada yada. Because you hear the stories about people that are actual grifters that are
3: sure. Holds the sign, then gets in the BMW at the end of their shift.
2: Yeah. Or you can help them. And if you choose to not help that person, you are not becoming more like Jesus. It doesn't matter if it's a dollar. It doesn't matter if it's $5. It doesn't matter if it's $100. And it doesn't even matter what that person does with it. You are called to serve the people that are in your life. That's
0: good Samaritan economics is basically
3: you. What you're describing, I think you would agree with Peter Singer throughout the entirety of his essay, which I'm going to have to read this. I'm excited. Oh, absolutely. I almost wish that I wish I would have come up with the topic sooner and given it to you you, because it's only I want to say it's like 16 pages. And it gave me so much grief in college because I had to write mm-hmm. an essay on it. And I was like, this essay's messing me up because right. it, it gets you to this conclusion of, then I am, oh, there's a specific, yeah, give until you reach the level of marginal utility, which means that you know how low a person within your community is. And therefore, you should give of yourself, of all of your monetary gains whatever you should give all of that until you would be worse off than that person mm-hmm. and that's like a very jesus teaching Tell right me. of like okay if there's someone homeless on the ground no house no food no clothes you give until you also have no house no food no clothes and that i like that's where i i preface this of like i know it's hypocritical i I'm currently making mortgage payments. I'm wearing a shirt. I had a meal earlier today. Like, I Mm -hmm. know that I am not following this, and yet I cannot find a good argument against it. And my solution to that, (laughs) and I think this is where we differ, my solution to that is then like, okay, well, if we just mandated that everyone gave a certain amount of money and then we all channeled that out, then Mm -hmm. problem solved. Because even if I interact in my daily life, right, because the way that I pay my taxes and the way that I give charity quotes, dollars Mm -hmm. is the same. Like I write a check or it comes out of my account and I go, I trust you guys figure it out, which I know from listening to Whiskey Bench is not how (laughs) definitely you and Kat view the government. But I'm like, here's a charity that I really I believe in. I think they're going to do the right thing and I have to trust them. And like, for all I know, their executives are not using it or they're paying their staff more than they should or whatever. Well, I mean, when it comes to charity, like you can you can vet a charity and you can see or at least
2: what they're claiming to be the fruits of their labor. Right. Sure. So that's great. But like what we and this again. Broken record here. <laughs> I don't see any fruits of anything that the government does when it okay. comes to helping people.
1: Have you been personally on a government assistance program before? I have not. No. See, now this is where I can say I was on food stamps growing up. Like, oh. I was on mm-hmm. subsidized right. housing. I was on, like, oh, I was on all the handouts, which makes it so funny how fucking hardline right wing my family is that they're like, yeah, these, mm-hmm. these people are just taking money and giving drugs. And I'm like, mom, weren't we on food stamps? <laughs> like, didn't we get the government money? Mm-hmm she's like wow yeah what's all
3: this cheese in the fridge (laughs) okay
2: and i want to make a very clear distinction here public record i am glad that that was able to help you and i realize that it does help people i don't want people to think that i that i don't believe people aren't being helped it's just like the amount of say you got you know a hundred dollars worth of benefit from food stamps it might've been $8,000 worth of tax dollars that made it towards you.
4: Hmm.
2: Whereas I don't do this, but like if I knew you growing up, like, and I was in a, a better position, like I probably, I mean, I should help those people that need it. And my individual dollar is way more powerful than the government's dollar. My single individual dollar is a hundredfold more powerful than the government's dollar. So then this is just a math problem, right? Um, you so could it, look
3: at it like that. Because if you're saying that like 100 to 1, my individual individual dollar is more powerful than a government dollar, but if I have 10,000 people paying taxes mm-hmm. who would not otherwise have given a dollar, then it's like, well, that's easy math. You know what I mean? Where it's like, even if the government is super inefficient, if they're taking advantage of 100% of taxes where normally we would just be functioning on 5% of the population's generosity, then it almost doesn't matter how inefficient the government is, they're solving a bigger problem. And I understand why that's aggravating, but in my mind I'm like, better than relying on 10% of the world to carry the weight of generosity. And this
2: is where it gets really difficult, especially viewing it from a math standpoint. You are taxing people and then inefficiently helping other people. So you're simultaneously helping people, but at the same time, you are now hurting the people paying Taxpayers. the taxes. Certainly. So it's this weird balance of like, again, this is a moral ethical question, like someone that's in quote able to pay their taxes, like should we just waste their money? Like is it is it morally acceptable for the government to take $1,000 from you, pay all this, you know, fees for employees and then $10 makes it to, the person down the road for an actual aid program
1: and this is where mm. <clears throat> earlier i had shook my head um and where i wanted to clarify that i wasn't disparaging you about you know it doesn't matter if <clears throat> the other person gives more it's it's a heart issue like we were talking about yeah. the owner, essentially and i was like no no this is where i disagree because if if a if a billionaire's tithe if a mm-hmm. billionaire's 10 percent is singularly worth more than the entire operating costs of the hope center potentially multiple times over that is better i think even though his
3: heart isn't
1: even though his heart is not in the right place so the government
3: slaps him and says no you give 10 percent, whether you like it or not
1: right Mm -hmm. and we can open six hope centers with that i count that as a net win um Hmm. and so looking at this inefficiency problem uh i see it as like we we know we know for a fact like our top tier gdp number inflators our fortune 500s are you know even singular billionaires most wealthy forbes 500s whatever <clears throat> like we all know they're not paying the correct amount of taxes like it's it's a secret to zero like uh you know, every single cruise line just happens to operate off of like the McKay Islands, and you know, all of the casinos are registered in you, uh, you know, another like strangely like Central American place, and like we're all like, that's fine. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I no one is saying let's let's just be okay with the inefficiency, but i would much prefer the effort being driven towards like obvious and flagrant tax evasion um because that is both actually illegal and ethically illegal dubious at best <laughs> Bad.
3: frowned upon yeah. Dubious, ethically um, dubious
1: yeah because like uh, yeah like there's a lot of these uh you know ethically like well i mean you know should a billionaire be obligated to help and you're like ah, ethics but you're like should a solely american company be paying these tax rates and we're like yes in fact it's a law And you're like so why why is this company registered in switzerland and you're like because they don't have to pay taxes that way and you're like that's mm-hmm. illegal and bad uh. <laughs>
3: That almost goes to Tornos' point, though, where it's like, well, then you have to rely on a personal motivation to give. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. a structure will find a way to weasel themselves out of not giving. So even saying like, well, we're going to tax to make sure that people get taken care of. Then it's like, well, we'll weasel out of taxes then.
1: Mm.
3: A couple points to your your comments, Kevin, because those are I mean, I partially agree
2: with that. We put a lot of stress on the billionaires for not paying their taxes. But in reality, they're not at fault. It's a bipartisan effort, both Democratic and Republicans, that wrote the tax laws that allow them to do that. Certainly, it is our representatives' faults, not the billionaires' faults, that they're not paying taxes.
3: Hmm. That's a continue. that is an I, interesting
2: argument. I disagree, yeah. but continue. <laughs> Where was I going with the second point? <laughs> Sorry. On the flip side, what we don't realize, again, I would say that the the fortune 500 and things are still benefiting more than that. But we also say like, Oh, they're not paying taxes. But if a fortune 500 company has 3000 employees, and some of these companies have way more. Those 3000 employees are paying taxes
4: mm-hmm.
2: because the payroll of that fortune 500
1: income company. Taxes.
2: Correct. So it, it's a weird balance where I would say, yeah, it's not quite right. But it's it's still they're still getting tax
1: revenue from that business. Income tax. It's taxes, just this weird, though, which, right? Which is like just the smallest portion of taxes to be had. So you're like, you are paying a portion of already the lowest tier bracket. Mm-hmm.
3: That's the and this, this is, is your tab, and then you put a penny on it, and they're like, this is a ten dollar tab, and you're like, I paid some money. <laughs> sure. And you're
2: sure. like, well. <laughs> And so you know, this is where my argument kind of more and more. I like the idea of a flat tax. A more. That as sounds you like said, a very Alex idea. Kind of just flat tax the
0: fuck out of everything.
2: <laughs> yeah. Right, and that's and <laughs> that's, that's, that's why like I do not believe in like a really progressive tax rate where it's like, oh, the wealthiest billionaires are being taxed at sixty percent, mm. and then the lowest income earners are being taxed at ten percent. That's marginal utility, though. You know, they say that they say right, but the, you know, and then the argument is like, oh well, a ten percent flat tax, you know, affects the lowest incomers, I- incomers, income <laughs> gainers, um, in- income earners, they earn go. income, income earners, uh, the most. But we're trying to find mm. solutions here, and so it's like if we can fix the tax code and incentivize. The billionaires, like if legislation is being passed or the, the, you know, conversation floating around in our culture is, Hey, we want to tax the billionaires 40%, whatever. They have no incentive to, to not have offshore accounts, things like that. Whereas if we can find a middle ground here, be like, Hey, we're going to be more strict. You can't do this. Yada, yada, yada through regulation. We're gonna find it. Like, we're not gonna tax you sixty percent, but like you paying ten percent in whatever taxes. Sure, a lot better than none.
3: Ten percent better than none.
2: Unless it's ten percent of none. <laughs> you then it's taxed null. on it. Because that's um, <laughs> that's the
3: unfortunate conclusion. Where it's like, man, even if we didn't do a progressive tax scale and mm-hmm. corporate entities were only taxed at ten percent, it's like, or I go to Cayman for zero. So like anything
1: more than zero because I, I wholeheartedly agree on flat tax. I think it's awesome, but all of the tax conversations and a lot of the takes that I see happen from the perspective of being a poor person and don't get me wrong. I too am a poor person, but the money is not made ever on income. Once you're, once you're in this next world that like we don't really understand, income is like a, not even a drop in the bucket. Like how often do you see like, Oh, like this CEO or I don't know, president donated their entire salary. It's because yeah, they're getting paid in stocks. They're getting paid in real estate. They're getting paid in, you know, bonds, like all of these vehicles that from our perspective, we get, Paid in money. Like we get right. we get a check. I have a job, I get a check. I get direct deposits sometimes if you're fancy. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and it's <laughs> like, no, no, like this is not how the other works. <clears throat> they can take a salary of zero. They can take a tax of 80% on it and go, huh. Imagine getting paid <laughs> that way.
2: Right. And it's a it's a different mindset. And it's starting to again. Navigate the tax laws that they didn't write, right, but to be fair, now more and more they're being allowed into the conversation of how to govern these rules. That's another conversation. but it's hmm. starting to realize, and I'm starting to realize more and more, even as truly a poor person, like yeah. in, the, in the actual like numbers world, like I'm pretty you know I'm on the lower end, right really. better off than a lot of people, Certainly. okay but like, oh, there's weird, even for me, I can make the tax code work for me. And I'm already looking in ways of I've converted my business to an S Corp. And my hope is to keep as much money as I can in my business and you get taxed at a 15% corporate rate. And then I can write myself a what they call like a acceptable salary or whatever, a modest salary, get taxed on the income of that. And then it's like, oh, I need a new car. Business well, no, 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 no. The, needs the business a new car. needs a new car, and it's right.
3: an asset. And I'm going to depreciate that asset and get a write off right. on that baby. Exactly,
2: yeah. exactly. So you can make it work for you. It just gets easier when you start to make more money. But
1: uh, do you feel morally conflicted about doing any of that?
2: Not at all, Why? because I believe that my dollar. I believe that my dollar in my pocket is way more beneficial. Hmm. And this is this is where I want to pivot the conversation. By all means. Like, I don't have a lot of money, but I have a lot more money than other people. And something that's seriously wrong with me is wanting to give my money to people, but I have no Yeah, what's
3: wrong with you,
2: you (laughs) monster? This is from my personal perspective, but I have never had a problem with giving my time, and my time is valuable. So the way I've always perceived it is, like, if I can save on taxes... And I can work less to cover my expenses and things like that. I can give people my time. Hmm. and This is where like being a neighbor and anything like that. Mm. We have this view that like you have to give money and that's the best way. But like, wow, if you can give people your time, that's huge. And so, you know, finding ways to not pay as much in taxes is giving me an opportunity to have more free time to then give to things that I think are more valuable. People,
1: how much my is, neighbors. How much is your time worth? Uh, I know <laughs> this, you this know. This is
3: a legitimate question. <laughs> Independent contractor, because, 250 an hour. Because for that to make work <laughs>
1: without cognitive dissonance, like the number has to match, right? The number has to balance. Sure. You know I, I mean, mean like, there's like you, what I would... You know, obviously this is way outside of the realm, but if like I swindled the government for a million dollars and now I give... 10, 10 hours a year mm-hmm. to the community and you're like is your time worth that much? You, you $100,000 an hour independent contractor? <laughs> Maybe I mean Maybe.
2: it's one of those things where like I've got what I'm making now and I've got what I would like to be making at some point in the future Certainly. and you know this is going to sound crazy I would love to at some point in the future be making $1,000 an hour
1: that's kind of my long term
2: long term goal like I think that would be a really cool place to be and if I could be at a point where I don't really need to work that much, that I mean, that's full time me being able to give my time to people and invest in that. And really? you know, I'm working on the giving my money part because that's also important. But really? you know,
0: but here's what you- I think is
3: solid about that view, right? Is the the Whiskey Bench personal responsibility take? You are consistent. Take a shot. Right. Personal responsibility. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no, I don't have another one. Oh no! Oh, God. Well, you he's have just, a handle. You better be careful. For it. I don't oh have anything God. near me. Oh yeah, there we go. <laughs> Torna and it. Kevin I'm popping so shots. Now, I like that you are consistent. You as an individual, I would like clap. I admire. Hoorah, Torna! We should, we ought to be like Torna and and uh, I ought to be like Torna. <laughs> yes. Trying to be more like I'm, idealistic Torna. I'm trying to be like Torna. <laughs> Whoa. Torna's Dude, trying to be deep. like Torna. Whoa, That's a good man. shirt. That's a oh. good shirt. I'm just trying to be like Torna. But the but the reality, right? So like if we look at all of the major businesses like nobody even like yeah. okay, maybe less than 10% is as well-intentioned as you are. So either and this is this is often how I how I listen to the to the views on the whiskey bench is either we need to get like 90 percent of the country on board with the views of whiskey bench or uh, in two shout out. We have to override their consent, which I see that as government intervention of like, well, mm-hmm. I'm just going to mandate it because what you're describing, absolutely, 100 percent. I agree with you. You're right. That is the ideal solution. I just don't see 90% of the world actually doing it.
1: And, and with Alex's take, are you Torna willing to do the math on how many hours I invested into my neighborhood, whatever the neighborhood is versus how many dollars I did not spend on tax? Like, like do you already like have at least like a, some mental idea of it or like, would you be able to sit down in Excel and crunch the numbers huh. on that? Because that seems doable.
2: Potentially. I, frankly, I'm just not
3: interested <laughs> sure, in that. Sure,
1: sure, sure. I do not right. expect <laughs> to I don't do that. Work. No, I don't does expect, the theoretical, I don't expect does, anyone to. <laughs> does the ratio right, exist? Right. But we could. We could. Yes. That that is possible that like you were like, I, I have invested this many hours into my neighborhood Mm -hmm. directly out of my own magnanimity. Is that a word? Steven. Steven? Magnanimity. Magnanimous. Like the state magnanimity. (laughs) magnanimity. (laughs) Nice. He knew. Out, Out of that, like you should be able to count those numbers. And you should mm-hmm. theoretically be able to balance that against non-tax numbers. And if we have the number of 10 to 1, I think we said earlier, like the, the accounting yeah, 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 yeah. is doable. There's rough, an equation sure.
4: there Roughly. that might
3: balance. Yeah. If Man, if, so if, that's was, the question. if
1: we do the math and it would be better if mm-hmm. you didn't, would you...
2: So, maybe but now this is this is you've got me thinking here first it's again this is a this is a moral ethical kind of question so i've got my own convictions and it's like whether it would outweigh it or not i don't know i've got a very different perspective right because i'm trying to be more christ-like and so me paying my taxes and that helping somebody else is not being christ-like
3: oh say more because that's how i feel with like i write my check to the irs and i write my check to the charity and i alex feel the same way about both and this is you feel different jesus pay
1: caesar what caesar is owed christ that we're referring to yep
2: cool yeah yeah it's like okay you pay your taxes everything like that i'm not trying to because i have taxes illegally Right, I mean, it's okay. I get it. I, it's the law. I'm not trying to break the law, even though we all break the law every day because there's so many stupid laws. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, i never do. that. I'm probably breaking. But one I'll right go on now. record.
3: No, I've never broken any laws.
2: Yeah, <laughs> peeing me to with it. the door open. Whoa, law no!
0: broken. <laughs> oh so no! If he was on Twitch, he'd be banned. Right
2: there, baby. Ah, <laughs> oh, me and yeah. Doctor Disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, good. yeah, I just perceive it different. I'm just... Yeah, I, I think maybe it was... Oh, I think it was actually on my Revel episode from last week. I kind of harkened on that. I was like, you know, me and my personal convictions, it's like... it's, I can't just, like, vote for someone that I think is going to solve the problems and be like, dust my hands off. Right. Did yeah. my godly duty. And it's, it's a more intimate, personal... I'm convicted that I have a responsibility and I think my the The difference... Um,
0: Kevin that I'm hearing is that lest we lose sight of the fact that Torna is the kind of person who's driven by like that personal conviction whereas you said like I don't care if your heart is in it or not I just care about the outcome right
1: and and don't misunderstand me I am very much the personal conviction yeah, guy yeah no I,
0: like. I I totally get that but like I think Torna like in, in this arena in particular as well is coming from like because my heart is in the time and not the you know, let contractor number what set it's not seventy dollars an hour, you know, to pull a number out of my ass. It's like for him, mm-hmm. it's infinitely more valuable, valuable, wow, valuable to put sixty minutes in to like ladling soup at a kitchen than it is to just give that soup kitchen seventy dollars for the next batch of, batch of soup, you know.
1: And the, it, yeah. And the reason why I disagree with that is because um the conversation that we had about uh oh what is it white savior is oh
3: huh. that I'm complex. like
1: yes, white savior complex. That no, it was not better for me to go to Haiti and do you know eighth grade tier. Electrical Mm. work and have the experiences than it would have been to spend the sixteen hundred dollars and give that to Mike, who runs, you know, the actual uh, orphanage and center down there. It would have been way better to spend all that money and give it to him and have him. And that's a free market argument. It's also it's a right
3: of like it it would be more efficient to have a high earner earn money and then pay a group of people who can make 15 an hour to do right that job.
1: Don't get me wrong. It was a great experience and I felt so many things so deeply because of it.
2: Okay, which is important. Absolutely. On your develop. Right. So there's an efficiency question. There's the
1: more than it helped them.
2: Right. And again, this is where we kind of last week individualism and our confusion or I think now more. You're on the same page now. Yeah. 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 But like there's an efficiency question. But if we're talking about the whole white savior mentality, what's the difference between that and giving the government money and then them taking care of your community? Then it's just government savior.
1: And I was personally saved by the government when I was a kid. So I'm yeah. Government savior rules. So it comes, it, it comes, I see where you go. It comes back from to though, history Toria. and it comes back I, to like I,
0: personal experience with the thing that you have perceived to be the most beneficial based on like, yeah, where you were raised, like what kind of feelings you had being, you know, like uh, effectively being aided or saved by food stamps. Like you were eating because of food stamps.
1: I, you know, I ate. And, and even if, even if it's a factor of 10, with my sixteen hundred dollars, I did not buy sixteen families a week of food. But assuming mm-hmm. that's where my tax money went, and I fed ten families or one family,
3: even if that's a hella mm-hmm. expensive meal,
1: even if it's so inefficient, even if it yeah. is uh, right. through this many layers, that did more good in practice than I did with sixteen hundred dollars. And then, then we're and then and, I'm and then we back to the that.
0: question of scale. And like like Alex aptly pointed out, like
1: the ideal world where
0: ninety percent of us are trying to be like Torna and and living dude, that way.
3: Problem solved. We no text is needed. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's just <laughs> like, dude, no conversation. I will say that all day long. But see, but this is this is where it gets
2: interesting. I don't think I truly I have my convictions, this what I've been talking about is my right. dream. That's what I want to achieve, and I don't think I can't it's just it's an upward trajectory right i do not and have not and i think as i'm pursuing this more will not ever expect anyone else to do what i am, want to do i have no obligation to anyone believer non-believer Any. government it's 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 it individual yep projecting outward which is very important I just want to shift this slightly because talking to, to Kevin's point, you know, with the $1,600 it took you to go to Haiti and things like that, it's starting to think about this being a neighbor conversation to go back to the original, the original talk, what it is to be a neighbor. And again, I want to have, I would love to be unravel and, and talk about like missions again, because I get it. I get <laughs> it. <laughs> An exasperated I, <laughs> sigh. Oh boy, it's come up. I yeah. get the silliness and the uh, truly, I think, anti-Christian idea of just spending a bunch of money to go on like a vacation. But like, there's nothing wrong with going and serving another community, no matter what your race right. is, right? So the 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 white savior thing is separate from just you being white. But like. Imagine if you could have gone to Haiti with $1,600 and said, hey, I love Haiti. I love the Haitian people. I want to offer money to you. What was the name you used? The example. Oh, I don't Mike. Don't remember. Oh, Mike. Mike. Yeah. Hey, Mike, here's some money for your business. How can I serve? Now you're giving money and time. Can I help you with your business? Like, I just want to serve.
3: Life Song Haiti, by the way, they are honestly My a very good charity honestly. that's run in Haiti. Yeah. Uh, torna mm-hmm. you would love it i would love to tell you more about it later <laughs> good shout out awesome like I, look
2: here's the honest truth i'm a builder i would love the opportunity to go build houses i don't care if it's in america i don't care if it's in haiti i don't care if it's in fill in the blank here's what mike Mongolia. would tell you
3: by the way is he would say torna yeah. i don't want you to build the houses i want you to teach these people
1: how to build the houses and that's the thing how do you empower people right that's huge and that's that's the point that i'm getting to that yes like there there are ways to make this net beneficial but and and thank god think me I guess like I did have some (laughs) oh boy oh boy yeah we could uh, we could unload that whole statement in another episode it means exactly what you think it means because I happen to have some electrician skills like very basic 12 volt 24 volt stuff that I knew Mm -hmm. so I had some knowledge and a skill that was not present in the community that I could help we also brought oh god like eight college-aged girls and Mm -hmm. god bless them they have the best hearts they have they had so much love for the kids which maybe there's an argument there but in terms of action sure in terms of actionable results on the community none house painted yeah they painted a
3: house. Um honestly, even though we did go with eight girls, I am someone who went on that trip with no electrical skills, so I am effectively one of those girls who painted.
1: Sure, sure. Uh so yeah, like you're a builder, you have something and you have something that you can leave behind. Even me even doing really basic wiring. I'm like eh. it probably would have been a net benefit for me to just send the money have mike or james teach the locals uh, have them follow along like what i and brought, then pay
3: them three dollars an hour which is like mm-hmm. way more than they you know
1: wait yeah it would have it would have been way more impactful on the neighborhood
2: right and but now here here as we're i think Maybe wrapping up things <laughs> Hopefully. not for a while. <laughs> I, I could talk I could literally talk three more hours about this because we're getting closer and closer to this, because this conversation has shifted to like, what is the math? what is the money? like very mat- like not materialistic as in like things made to matter, but like the Western materialist money things items what is the you know totally. me giving 1,600 dollars would have been better than me being there. But like, how does that affect you being a neighbor or what it is to be a neighbor? Because the more efficient route, you know, might not be
3: congruent with what it is to be a neighbor. I think that honestly, that everything that we've talked about so far, that is a something that I'm going to walk away with. That's going to make me scratch my head Mm. because I value that more than i think like it's easy to mm-hmm. start being like yeah yeah yeah. let's do the calculus and try to figure this out but then be like oh me too or i'm a math or dad. we could be an american <laughs> with all of our needs satisfied mm-hmm. and still suffer yeah mm-hmm. yeah the- so like obviously there is an emotional part of this that should be integrated into the calculus you know well it,
1: so it's mm-hmm. funny because i'm default the emotion uh i that's where i live uh-huh. like I I can talk an hour about the impacts that Haiti had on me. Mm. Uh, but just like God committee that I'm like, right, someone has to do the calculus. Someone has to decide how many lives we are going to spend to take uh-huh. this hill. Like the calculus is cold and it is actionable. Yeah.
0: Well, so just like and, uh, even last episode, like my my thing will almost always become like can we have the same conversation with a both and stance rather than an either or stance. And I think, I think Kevin, I think you just said it right there is like, you could talk for hours about the like emotional, personal impact that trip had on you. So like there's, there's a both and there where there was some benefit. You can talk about that. You can inspire other people to do the same thing, or you can inspire people with your story saying like, well, in hindsight, I've learned a few things. Here's how you can do it better ahead of me. You know, like if you want to try and take Mm. a similar step, you can do that in a more efficient way and let me like almost like prime you to like, maybe not expect, but like here are some of the personal emotions and like here's the payoff that I experienced like on the return journey from that trip. You know, like you remember people's names, faces, Mm. Mike, James, these people that like you you join the community and you made that connection with so there's a both and to the whole conversation where even alex you know like there's an efficiency question and for so long i've been operating under efficiency and it like it might be almost annoying that there's the emotionality part of it and like
3: i would argue that like the best things in life yeah there's a question. And that is important to remember in the midst of generosity. Mm -hmm. I
0: totally feel that. I mean, so like trying to side hustle podcasting out of the shows I host and the Highline (laughs) Network, like I could spend an hour like editing the next episode of Ravel or I could inefficiently spend an hour of quality time with my wife and come away much better for it, you know, and that is very, that is very inefficient. But that's that's where the the both and question of like efficiencyness or efficiency with neighborliness like sometimes it's just not going to be inefficient sometimes it's not going to be all that neighborly you know I think Alex I even sent you a Vox this morning talking about how Dixie and I are looking into a charity that like it m- makes mosquito nets for uh, people mm-hmm. that are inflicted by malaria like in those parts of the world super mm-hmm. efficient. I have almost no personal like passion for malaria, but I recognize that. I don't know anyone who's my, making the nuts. My dollar goes the nets, farther. Like, my uh, dollar goes farther in that way. Malaria same, same bad. Same way like <laughs> donating to like, uh, like, like companies a that take, do, <laughs> <laughs> like companies that do water wells, you know, like donating to charity water or something that drills wells, like a community gets water. I'm not all that connected mm-hmm. to it. So, there's a both-and question of, like, my wife and I are looking for places to do that in an efficiency stance for, like, more of a global vision. And also, we're going to give money to CLDI that directly serves the south side of Billings, Montana, where we see the greatest rates of, uh, like, drug overdoses, crime, poverty, et cetera,
3: right? <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought you were about to see mosquitoes, <laughs> and I was like, no, no, you're no, buying no. mosquito
2: nets for the south side <laughs> and of then, Billings? And not quite and this ties into the again i'm (laughs) harping on some personal responsibility like Uh those charities and things like that especially with cldi and things like that this harkens to the personal responsibility and this harkens to kevin's point Mm. of the whole white savior thing like i know that cldi is working in the community and in places like rail line and things like that they are using that money to help empower and give people skills they need to continue on in their community and make the community better. They're just mm. they're just a little stepping stone. They're not the it's me. I'm doing all of this. It's just we have the resources, you know. With with rail line specifically, um, it's like hey, we're gonna teach these people some communication skills and some management skills, and like we don't want them to stay as an employee of the coffee shop forever. We want them to. Work here, learn these skills, be able to give give them the opportunity to take mm-hmm. these classes, whatever it might be, and then if they quit this job and go on to something else, that is awesome. That is what we want. We don't want people to stay here. We want them to
0: Yeah. Which again is the best things. the best version of we're all trying to be like Torna. We're all trying to like live up to like that's I stand that's the by way that the shirt. world should work, right? And mm-hmm. now I think
2: I'm a bit. I'm becoming more of an uh, <laughs> idealist. Uh, what is A-tornist. that? A tornist. A tornist. A <laughs> tornist. A tornist. This is very. This is very very embarrassing to me because I don't. I'm not. I don't want to sound. I'm not there. That's not who I am. Well, we no, but that's cool. that. He's the hero. No, we don't That is the best, that,
0: that <laughs> is the best part of that is like I'm trying to be more Henning.
1: You know. Right. Right. I'm not trying to be more a- Kevin. Catholic,
2: <laughs> Fuck that guy. be more danger <laughs> you trying to be
1: more, more turbo what's, your,
0: what's yeah, your goal more turbo more danger yeah, yeah absolutely man, Everybody. man I do
3: think uh, because Kat isn't here and let's ask for her take after the fact but let's all channel our inner Dwyer and what would Kat think about all this mm. and we can see whether or not we're right or wrong
1: I already disagree with her <laughs>
4: Oh, how dare no. you.
3: <laughs> I think Kat's got a, a cold free market take that is objectively right. Mm. That's how I feel. Right. And she's going to say something. And I'm going to go, I don't know. That feels bad, though. But she's going to say, uh, nobody give their money to anybody. If you need a well, pay for it. And the mm. community can pool money and you can pay for it. And nobody needs to volunteer their time. Cause you're just going to have the most efficient well makers and the most efficient meal kitchen. You're going to have 50 cent meals. If that's a need. Yeah. That needs to be satisfied. Yeah. I think the, the, the persuasion
0: versus, um, compelling thing is, is, uh, is what I, I guess I want to like make sure I always hear in the back of my head when I think of cat, like the, like it's a persuasion game for us now. Like we, we make the joke, like we're all trying to be more torna the game. Like if that is what we think is best, we are empowered in this world to like make the individual choice to act like that and inspires others like inspire others to act like that, you know? Sure. And not being compelled to do so is the thing I would, she would make sure that we hear, you know, Mm
3: -hmm. definitely especially based on the last episode of like what i just said of like i want (laughs) to compel people to pay taxes so that everyone's taken care of she'd be like (laughs) alex (laughs) shame on you (laughs) so i recognize that cap by the way i know that we disagree on that um what do we think about the the generosity heart thing which i found to be like a compelling side Mm. of the argument but i think and Kat, again, sorry that we're speaking for you while you're not here. Correct. So please, please clarify on the next episode. But, like, does that hold weight? Because I think Kat might agree with Kevin of, like, attitude doesn't matter. Solve mm. the problem. And the free market, like, the free market doesn't have morality. That's not the goal. The goal is to solve a problem, and if the problem is people don't have homes and people aren't eating and they don't have clothes, then the market will solve that, and it doesn't matter my personal conviction. The market conviction. solves that because so, the market
0: empowers individuals to have the attitude to go solve that problem
3: themselves. Sure. I might be convicted that this is important,
1: and I will put exactly. my money on that, but like... Oh, I'm, oh dude. Bullshit. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> I, uh, ah, so so uh, it, it's funny that you're like Kevin might agree on this because oh, okay. I think you're right, but okay. not, not for the same reasons. Ah. Um, the market will not correct this because there is no net benefit to the market. <clears throat> if the market does not benefit by giving these people food and houses, then fuck them. Mm. And correctly so, because the market's probably right. It probably don't benefit the market. Ah, uh,
3: this is your view of like produce or yeah, you're worthless. Correct. Th- and, and if you do not produce, you are worthless. And that was my interpretation and of the like mar-
0: self-interest a few episodes ago was the the confusion between me and Cat, like kind of talking over each other. Was I was I was interpreting self-interest as pure selfishness, which to be fair, it still might mm-hmm. be, but like I'm I'm still pretty
3: kind of agnostic sure. about that. <laughs> That's not inherently right. individualism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It is individualism that empowers Torna to right. be generous. Toward a community that he values. And instead right. of selfish. Sure.
1: Yeah. And like where I'm coming from with theoretical Theoretical Cat in my head, which is so funny because she has never talked to me. Uh, and I'm right. like, yeah. T- you- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're totally firing pot shots. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So sorry, Kat, I actually I think you're very cool and I'd like to be on an episode with you one day. But uh, so all I'm uh, yeah, we can make dude. that happen. We, have we the absolutely technology. Do. um <laughs> So I am uh, I mean, I'm really like expounding an idea uh, into I'm interpolating a lot of data mm. that is not there, but where i take it from is from the milk episode funny enough um Ew. when alex was giving the example that alex is the grifter oh. uh, and when things get too I would hot, never when when your grift gets uh found out and you just Fail. move into town moving in the next town Cow was like no no a group of people will rise up to challenge you and take you down and i was like that no <laughs> That never happens, like maybe that happened a couple times. There are currently grifters grifting millions and making so much money off of it. And we have like near real time information about it, not information. that got passed on a horse through like, you know, the next town over. We have literally instant feedback and information that you can say they're wrong and grifting you uh alex jones with like all of the lead in the supplements that was a recent thing still selling by the way stuff in the water to make the frogs gay uh like like the dude sold a lot of people a lot of bad stuff and it is clearly harmful uh i i guess i didn't check twitter today but i don't think he's in jail right now and also there hasn't been mob justice huh. <laughs> towards him mm-hmm. like these i idealistic like good samaritan vigilantes don't happen like the the hand of the free market that is supposed to swoop in and be the savior is not real like it It doesn't happen and we have current and constant examples of that. So there may be a,
0: a rebuttal just based on modern days that the comment I can hear probably from Kat and definitely from other libertarian voices I've listened to in the last few years is basically that doesn't happen because the market truly isn't free anymore and there are so many like outside actors Ooh. that are disincentiv- disincentivizing
1: that. the market from answering the Alex Jones my, problem. My rebuttal to yeah. that rebuttal is that in the first place the the concept of these uh, actions happening by the consumer in the free market are based on the consumer having perfect knowledge, which is always Alex's point. That is, yes. which, which that's, means yeah, exactly. step one mm-hmm. for being a producer is misinformation. And oh, well, yeah. we my, my that incentive
3: problem. is to give right. you bad information. So, no, this supplement the is the archetype is literally
0: called a snake oil salesman, right? Like, right, that's yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, so literally step 1. So
2: but see, we've got a really small view of what's going on because the the market isn't changing instantaneously okay. whereas we might get feedback. So you say Alex Jones said something about supplements and yada yada yada. He's not I don't think he's on Twitter, right? He got banned from Twitter. He's not on YouTube. Probably. Who cares what he's saying? He's got a group of people that are following him. Hmm. But then you have on the counter argument, you have people like Kevin that are arguing against it. You have, I'm sure, well, I've heard many very influential people, far more influential than Alex Jones speaking out against him. And we're just at this moment where those two things are now presented to the market. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, the not Alex Jones market is still winning. It's already selected for that. So there might be a handful of million of people that are in the losing market of Alex Jones, but in the market of ideas, he's a pariah, he's not winning basically. Right. So the market never is trying to force people into the market solution. It's just the trend is that that's where things Which will lead. Which is
0: persuasion over compulsion. Right. Like we're back to that
1: dichotomy. I guess it depends on what your definition of winning is. Because the guy selling the supplements with arsenic and lead in them is winning. He won. He made a shit ton of money.
3: To Tornus credit, I do think eventually, right, so in that scenario, Kevin, eventually, like Alex Jones, 20 years from now, whatever, who knows how many lawsuits happen, and eventually, he might be defamed and everyone goes okay now we know not to trust alex jones supplements Mm -hmm. which i think in both of our view is too little too late true and that's that is the point of our perspective of like the free market will correct but not nearly quickly enough and after tons of people have been taken advantage of and there will be more suffering, right? This is not like a net zero. That's like a whole bunch of suffering, and then, all right, suffering tapers off.
1: And I guess w- why this is relevant to our conversation is that the idea of this good free market good Samaritanism is ongoing and long suffering and mostly just suffering. Hmm. And therefore, uh, so maybe it will take 20 years to get this damn because it's not even specifically Alex Jones. He was just the amplification to this, you know, supplement company that is selling bunk supplements, making a shit ton of money by pulling the fleece over people uh, because consumers don't have perfect knowledge about what's the product that they're getting. Uh, the only thing stopping them now is compulsion. And not even necessarily compulsion that well i guess in this case specifically it would be compulsion towards the supplier uh but the the point is generally free market anything which i know it's not even the correct term now we're we're way outside of free market but the concept of free market whatever is solely beneficial to individual and even more specific, the supply side.
0: Mm.
1: It is generally not beneficial to the consumer. So in this case, free market good Samaritanism is not generally beneficial to the needy. It is generally just beneficial to the needful or neater, uh, the the, ha- the people who have stuff to give to the people who need They're, stuff.
0: So they, they have no needs.
1: <laughs> Sure, whatever. I, yeah. yeah it's point it, taken it, it, it is more beneficial to the pe- to the charitable parties than the parties receiving mm. charity Which it and to my point, I think I, I again am a part of the Church of Tornism, but until you show the expel. Excel spreadsheet of community hours invested and dollars not given to the government. I'm willing to bet you came out better.
4: I
0: am continually fascinated by the skills of the people I know to come (laughs) to a conversation like having not met each other and have a conversation like this. I don't know if we have a resolution to this conversation. To be honest, like I feel like we had things to say, and I like quite a few takeaways for me to be chewing on. You know, even just like I have an essay to read, right? Or I have a driving question of like, oh, this not tonight. No, You're not. not. Feel good. <laughs> not fun essay. But I mean, like, man, I'm I'm just constantly amazed, like. Josh and Emily didn't know each other before we started Ravel. Cat and I didn't know each other before we started Whiskey Bench. You all didn't know each other at the very beginning of this conversation, and look how far we've gone. And like, so many things are coming out. Like, I, I'm not trying to resolve the conversation. I'm, I'm just like, I guess. Thanks for being my neighbors tonight with the influence. Hey,
3: I do think that is the resolution. Indeed. Of at Thank least you like to encourage, to empower you to make Uh neighbors. Right. So even this is like an old churchism. I'm sure people who are going to church have experienced this recently where they're like, where you live, know the nine people Uh surrounding you. And like, as corny as that is, that's excellent advice. Right. Like if everybody does that and cares for the nine people surrounding them, everyone gets taken care of. And that's, that's torteism. If I've Hell ever seen yeah. it,
2: it's like a, it's like a, you know, you know, like the trope of like pyramid schemes don't work because like after five people, you've exhausted yeah. the human population. Hey, but if it's not to make money, <laughs> and it's awesome. to help people. <laughs> pyramid schemes that's exhaust the population with charitable helping. pyramid <laughs> schemes. Yeah, exactly. But uh, you know, Kevin, you got me thinking. Uh, you know, just inconsistencies in my own viewpoint here. Of my do- again, even though I'm I'm arguing the counter of like. Don't be just expel, you know, excel sheet, benefit, things like that. You know, my viewpoint is more and more shifting towards like I do think there is more good in the change that is happening in me and the people that I can help. That's a very important part of where I'm coming from. But like also to be consistent with my convictions and that being Christianity, like good is good. If I do good and I'm mimicking mimicking jesus that is building on the kingdom but good is good good is a reflection of god in any sense
3: whether i do it or someone else does it so that's that's the counter argument to what i've been saying like oh interesting so in your mind you're you're like well if the government does good that's still good yeah i mean i have to argue that i mean that's that's interesting consistent
2: that's me i need to be consistent good is good and so that there's a good county like should I even care if the money is being inefficient. spent inefficiently? Oh wow. He did it
0: again to you, Alex. He
2: did it like again. me. That's with my that's convictions quite the <laughs> nugget. That is quite the nugget as, as to chew on. As a Christian, is it should I care if my tax dollars is being spent inefficient? Cat <laughs> screaming in this corner.
0: Yes.
4: <laughs> yes, you should care.
2: And I would probably
0: argue yes based on just the phrase render to Caesar. What is Caesars like render to mm-hmm. American federal government? What is American federal government? They printed the damn money. Give it back. Right. <laughs> wow. 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 I think that's hard. That, that I think feels there's like there's a, whole- there's a question to Torna of Well, I think for all of us, I think there's a question of like, um, fuel source and longevity for enacting good, in our neighborhood mm-hmm. and in our world
3: what so, great
1: words yeah
3: oh, that was a well, perfect yeah. metaphor Thank
1: you. language so right there. if
0: fuel so and if Torna is finding the most value by putting the personal time into serving the 10 people versus giving the money to serve 100 people and he's not connected to it like mm-hmm. i think the motivational like fuel for him is going to last throughout his lifetime because he's having that personal inefficient interaction to give the person a meal, you know? So like, it's, it's the question of like, do you want to use this fuel to fly to London from New York? Or do you want to like do a firework show? Either way, the fuel is going to be spent in one place. It's just going to explode in another place. We're going to go places. Right. So I think that again, that both and conversation between the efficiency and the, um, like the the personal and emotional connection to the acts of good Mm
4: -hmm. it's
0: it's going to fuel us more on the long term if we're all trying to be more like torna which i'm sorry torna we keep using that phrase and i know that might be
3: embarrassing honestly i i feel the same way (laughs) i don't want to feel like this is us harping on torna because honestly like i think you have good takes and i think you are honest to god trying to be a good person so i don't want to I don't want you to feel like we're just like right. no. shooting at you through this whole conversation. That's like very it's metaphorical. But so but like, we're yeah. fueled <laughs>
1: okay. and and in the terms of neighborhood, we like you yeah, just the way that you that. are.
3: But, and oh, so
0: like thanks. we as we act like that are fueled by the good vibes we get, the good feeling of serving another person. And that, I really think is like cat's cheering for me now because that is like I'm working in my no, but I'm working in my own self-interest.
3: Pursue what gives you hot.
0: the good in my own self-interest because I am maybe I'm getting off on the feeling of like being charitable, but in the long run that might do 100%. better for our world because it's a fuel that's going to last us far longer than just an explosion of a 3.5 trillion dollar infrastructure package. You know?
1: I I I agree. Um But one of those options has been around forever. And it hasn't gotten us there yet, is what you're saying. (laughs) The option of doing an infrastructure package is recent. Mm, Yeah. We have always had the drive to help our Uh nine to individually Uh pursue charitable and good, like big, good words. Since we've been conscious, we have only recently had the opportunity. Try
0: something new,
1: right? You to make that. Hey,
0: I can I can totally appreciate that. Experimentation is also what federalism is all about. So.
3: <laughs> I don't know that those are different, like. Perhaps it is you taking care of your nine better that allows the government hmm. to do such a thing.
0: Well, okay, so in the, in the context of fuel then, like it takes
3: the most amount of
0: fuel to get a rocket 100 feet off the ground. But once it's in orbit, it doesn't need any fuel at all. Momentum, baby.
3: Oh, yeah. Henning knows rocket science. Henning knows. And
2: that's, that's an analogy of empowerment. Yes. Absolutely it is, which, yes, I'm snaps again for individualism. Go and that's where, <laughs> at, well, but then that's where then you get back into the efficiency yeah. materialist argument where it's like, okay, are we just continually launching the rocket 100 feet off the ground ah. mm. and we're never letting it get okay, into Okay, so then the argument is orbit? that
0: sure. like, we're not letting it get into orbit if we're just going to pass a few trillion dollars every year.
2: <laughs>
0: right. Hmm.
2: I like that. Which I don't know if being a good neighbor can really translate into fixing bridges and roads and I mean unless the roads You I mean, go fix the pothole out in front of your house, Torna, you're serving your neighbors. <laughs> right?
0: And maybe Definitely. that package pays for it that pothole too. Yeah. You know? Maybe.
4: maybe. Wow. Maybe. Jeez. That it's,
0: feels like a good place. Once places places friends, thanks to for end, being right? my neighbors tonight. I learned a lot. I think.
3: Wow. Hey, Let's go to what? space. Won't you be my neighbor, <laughs> all us? Yeah, that that'd be a pretty Absolutely. nice community. Space cult. Space baby. cult, baby. Yeah, oh, yeah. space cult. <laughs> now we're talking. The tornist space cult. Cheers to space cult. Now that's a good name. <laughs> hey. Cheers.
2: Cheers. Thank you for joining us on the Whiskey Bench. If you would do us a favor, please tell a friend about the show in person, with a text, or by sharing about it on social media. You can join us on Instagram,
0: Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest, all at Whiskey Bench Pod.
1: And don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.
2: Remember, always drink responsibly. And cheers to a fulfilled life with all its beauty.
3: Stephen, what do you think Ravel is about? I think
0: Ravel is a podcast about how to effectively market our cult.
3: No, no, no. Ravel's a show that shares the basics on how to get into the afterlife in three easy steps. Okay, okay, cut it out, you guys. Ravel is really about why SpongeBob SquarePants is the best story for teaching atonement theories.
0: But how will your belief in God's atonement change when we prove that aliens exist?
3: I mean, it would probably cause an even greater number of spiritual emergencies in the church. Or maybe everyone is just going to conclude that aliens are demons because we can't explain them. If you are thinking about all of these questions, too, come have a drink with us. Follow Ravel wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Highline Media Network. Normal people in normal places.